to this message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Boy, I hope your morning's been better than mine. I just looked down and I got blood all over my notes. I cut my finger back there and my wife's at home throwing up. There's a 24-hour bug going around. Yeah, but that's okay. We're still going to praise God, huh? Forgot to put my belt on. If my pants fall off, this is really going to be a day I'll remember. You ever have those crazy mornings where everything goes wrong? My, grand, my granddaughter, five-year-old, got the 24-hour something, is that going around? She got it. She gave it to her two-year-old sister. Two-year-old sister gave it to her dad. Her dad gave it to my wife, but I ain't getting it. I've already taken my charcoal today and drinking my apple cider vinegar. I'm not getting it. My mind's made up. Yeah, so anyway, everything's already went wrong could go wrong, and now must be a good message, huh? Uh, someone asked me a prophecy question, and I was going to fill some of those. You know, you keep talking, Ron, about the war of Ezekiel 38, 39. What do you think is going to happen? It might be one year, four years, and eight years, or nine. I don't know. But I do believe that briefing I gave you about Russia last week is going to come to pass because I've read the book. Russia hasn't read the book. I've read the book. And I know what's going to happen. And so someone thought, man, you're, you're saying it's going to happen right away. I, I don't know when it'll happen. I just know it will happen because the Bible says it. Now, we're going to Hollywood. Uh, we got buses going and everything on April 10th. Man, get ready for that. It's going to be crazy. So if you want to go down, I think two, two party buses are filled. But uh, get on a waiting list because some people will back out. We were supposed to continue in Peter today, and I had my message already. And then Josh called me and said, man, I, I, I'm under the weather. I said, well, I'll take your service and mine. I'll take second and third. But I knew the Bible study wouldn't make any sense for the people in the third. They have no backdrop for it. So I changed my whole message this morning. Now, what I was going to preach on was the Bible study in Peter, talking about how that we're living stones. That's the metaphor we're on. Now, remember last week I talked about how that when something great happened in the patriarch's life, in the Old Testament prophet's lives, they'd take stones and build an altar so that their children and their children after their children would remember that something really fantastic happened here. And I said, we're living stones. And so we should be like a living altar we should always be telling our God stories on and on and on. Now, did you know you all have a story? You all have a story. And you ought to be sharing that story with people in the marketplace, in the workplace. When you get a chance, when God opens the doors, do you all know about open doors? Paul prayed for them. Do you pray for open doors? 
Now see, this is going to lead into what I'm going to talk to you about today. If you pray for open doors, then you're going to get open doors. If you pray for them, then when the open door happens, you'll jump on that opportunity. You all have a story like, I was on drugs and I found Jesus. I was in prison and then I found Jesus. My marriage was horrible, I found Jesus. I was not content in life and I found Jesus. If you wanna know more, we'll go get a burger today or a taco and I can tell you more. Try to form your story to about 20 minutes long, but be ready to give it. It goes on in Peter that I'm not gonna teach on today and it talks about how that we are living stones coming together to make an environment for priestly ministry to take place. Now, I'm gonna give you a word here. We're living stones. I would hate to build a building with a living stone, our living stones, have to work with living stones. You, you, you put them here and they crawl back off. <laughs> you put these three stones on top of one another and they're fighting one another. And you keep putting it back on, they keep crawling off. See, the Bible says that we are coming together and we're fitting together in submission and, 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 and relationships, we're fitting together. And if I could take that whole thing of Peter and, and bring it all back to VBF, we are together, coming together to make a safe, comfortable place for priestly ministry to take place. And uh, there's so much to be said about that. But we're living stones. And can I say something to you right here, right, right out of the gate, I'm gonna give you a rhema. Stay where God has placed you. Living stones, he's placing the stones in the building as he sees fit. Those stones need to stay put. Some of you need to settle down and stay put. There will be times here at VBF when God has ordered us to kind of ruffle your feathers. Stay put. This is not a perfect church. We've said it before. There is no such thing as a perfect church. And if there was a perfect church, when you came, it wouldn't be perfect anymore. <laughs> but stay put. And I have so much to say about that, but we're supposed to be a safe place for these young pastors to come up and minister. Be patient with them. They're learning. Be patient with them. A safe place for people to use their gifts. A safe place for people to let their hair down and confess their sins. We gotta make this a safe place, okay? That, that's the sermon I'm not teaching today. That I should have taught. For the sake of the third service, I won't. I wanna talk to you about something's on my heart today, it's real simple. Live by faith. Don't li live by what you see. Don't live by what you hear. Live by faith. The Bible says the just will live by faith. The Bible says that if we shrink back from living by faith, God will have no pleasure in us. Now, I was going over the story of the healing of the lepers the other day. These lepers, they come to Jesus and they want to be healed. And he heals them. But as they go to the priest to show that they're healed, and that's what they're instructed to do, as they're going, only one leper 
comes to his senses and says, I need to turn around and go back and say thank you to Jesus for healing me. And this leper, obeying his conscience, walking in integrity, he's the only one, he goes back and kneels down in front of Jesus and says, thank you. Thank you. And then Jesus says something to him very interesting. He says, you know, your faith has made you whole, has made you well. Now, the word for faith is sozo, and it means to be preserved from danger, loss, and destruction. What he's saying to this leper that he didn't say to the rest, he's saying, you're listening to your heart. You're walking in integrity. You're putting feet on what you feel you should do. In fact, you're living by faith. And when you do that, when you live this way, if you keep on living this way, putting feet on your faith by living in integrity, doing what you feel you should do, if you keep living that way, he says, your life will be preserved from danger and loss and destruction from here on out. Isn't that interesting? See, the other lepers, they got a healing, but it was just temporary. They would do other stuff to mess up their life, on and on. But this guy, if he kept living this way, Jesus says, you're going to move into wholeness. Now, again, I I know it's redundant, but the Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that word is rhema. It, It implies that if you're going to have a good life, just as you need to eat three meals a day to keep your calories up, you're going to need daily, using the phrase there, daily, maybe three times a day or two, you have to hear what God's telling you to do and do that. And if you do, you'll have a successful life. Now, this bothers me because a lot of people have not even trained themselves to hear God's voice. A lot of people have not trained themselves to be obedient to his written word. See, again, and it's redundant, the Bible says, trust the Lord with all of your heart. Let's let's just kind of broaden that out a little bit. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in his word with all your heart. Trust in what he's saying more than what the doctor's saying. Did you hear that? If he's saying something to you that the doctor's saying something differently, choose to trust in Jesus. Trust in him more than what the attorney's saying. Trust in him more than what circumstances are saying. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And then what? Do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge God in all your ways. And he'll make your path straight. We're not acknowledging God in all of our ways all the time. It's so simple. It's so childlike. Now, again, I'll remind you of a phrase I used all last year, and I haven't used it much this year. But I'm going to just use it again. Repetition's good. Now, I get it. Some of you are new. We have a lot of new people. When you live by faith... You will do things you would not ordinarily do to get things you would not ordinarily get. Wow. I live by faith. 
Faith alone. God gave me a word one day to go start a church in Las Vegas. And I obeyed and went just on a, on a word of faith. And that word of faith caused me to do something I would not ordinarily do. And today there's such a church of a thousand people on Sahara Boulevard. Faith will cause you to do things you would not ordinarily do to get things you would not ordinarily get. Now, how do you live by faith? Faith is a substance. I've already taught you that. It's a substance. See, this binder is substance. Faith cometh from hearing and hearing from a word from God. Now, I say word from God. Because the word in that verse also is, is rhema. It's not logos. Logos is an entire word. Rhema is when he lifts a passage out or a word out and says something to you personally. Faith comes from hearing the, faith cometh from hearing the word of God. That's, that's what the verse basically says. Peter had the faith to get out of the boat and walk in water. Why? Because Jesus spoke to him and put his name on something. He spoke a rhema to him. Peter, come. And that rhema produce faith, and faith propelled him to get out of the boat. Propelled, yeah, that's right. Uh, you got to spend time with God to have faith. A lot of people think that faith is just presumption. I'll just, you know, choose to believe this. It's hard to choose to believe if you don't have faith in your heart because you believe from that faith. Faith comes from hearing God. You've got to spend time with God. You say, well, I don't have time to spend time with God. I'm busy, 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 busy. Hey, talk to him when you're in the shower. Spend time with him when you're in the car driving. Have a devotional time. Spend time in the Word, fellowship. See, I'm going to tell you now, to have a successful Christian life, to live the way God wants you to live, you're going to have to live intentionally. It's got to be very intentional. In our Peter study, the study I'm not teaching on today, it says that Jesus was the cornerstone of the building. The building that we're building here for priestly ministry, Jesus is the cornerstone of that building. He's the cornerstone of VBF. Now, we're told when you look at the people who would build in those days out of the limestone brick and everything, they said, if the cornerstone wasn't right, none of the building would be right. The cornerstone had to be right for the rest of the building to be right. Now, in reference to our church here, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of EBF. And if we don't get him right, nothing else will be right. He is the cornerstone. What does that mean to us in a practical way? It means that everything we do and take part in should bring glory to Jesus or we shouldn't be doing it. For example, someone a while back said, can we start sports teams at VBF? And we haven't had any for a long time. I said, man, I don't care. Whatever the board thinks, but... You're going to have to remember that Jesus is the cornerstone of everything we do, so give me the purpose, mission behind the sports team. Well, it's to have fellowship and get to know one another. Okay, if that's your purpose statement, write it out, then that means you don't care if you win or not, right? 
That means you're not going to get upset when you're not winning. You're not going to get mad at someone for striking out, for missing a ball. Because your purpose statement, Jesus is the cornerstone, is to get to know one another and love one another. So it doesn't matter if we win. It doesn't matter if we're in last place. Everything we do. Outreach. How does this glorify Jesus? Uh, trip to Hollywood we're doing. How does that glorify Jesus? Uh, podcasts we do. How does this podcast glorify Jesus? Easter. Now, we're doing something crazy on Easter, and I'm sorry, but if you want a regular church, they're on almost every corner in Bakersfield, okay? <laughs> Our Easter this year is called the New Frontier, and you're going to see a lot of cowboys on the ground, a lot of cowboys, New Frontier. You're going to hear country worship. I love it. Now, we, we have a different belief. We believe more like the Jewish people that on the holidays it should be party hardy time. It should be, so we'll have a big carnival out there. We've got a petting zoo. We've got uh, pony rides. We've got bunking broncos. We've got everything on the ground. A big party out there, but the service will be all centered around Jesus. You know what? There's also, I got so many teachings I can teach on today. I've been wanting to teach a teaching on wineskins and wine. We're living in an era of change. The church is going through a lot of change. Our message can never change. But sometimes the old wineskins will break with a new direction. And not only will you hurt the wineskin, but you'll also destroy the new wine. We got a lot of plans for VBF, some crazy good plans. Now, Let's go back to this idea of living by faith. Faith in Jesus. Faith in him being our cornerstone. Faith in his provision. Faith in his healing. Did you all know by experience and the word by now that the flesh and the spirit don't normally agree? Have you noticed that? That's why we have to bite in the Lord a lot. Usually everything that I would do as a natural response to the flesh is the direct opposite of what the Spirit will want me to do. For example, I get mad when I tell someone off. If I get in the Spirit, I'll find out usually he wants me to do just the opposite. He wants me to ignore it, love him, bless him. In the flesh... Someone does me wrong, I want to hold a grudge. Now, when I get into the Spirit, I see it's just the opposite. He doesn't want me to hold a grudge. He wants me to go out and continue to love that person. Uh, in the flesh, Debbie gets mad at me, and I want to give her the silent treatment. But then I get in the Lord. I start abiding in the Lord, and I start singing, happy, 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 happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Happy, happy. And I said, wait, I'm supposed to be mad. Do you get that? Does that happen to you? you? It happens to me all the time. Oh, I'm supposed to be mad at Debbie. I'm supposed to be mad. Happy, happy, happy. Oh, oh, and I'm reading my word. It just doesn't work, does it? The flesh and the spirit, they oppose one another. Worry. In the flesh, I want to worry. But when I get in the spirit, he says No. Don't worry. You know, again, in my devotion two weeks ago, I was reading over the prodigal son story again. And I thought, that father seemed to release that boy pretty easily. 
I want my goods. I want the stuff. And he said, okay, here, here. And I started thinking, I think that father released that son, that prodigal, as easy as he did because he knew he had raised him right. And Proverbs 22 and 6 says, raise a child in the way they ought to go and they'll not depart from it. He had faith. I think he had a resting faith to go, on, I'll let him go, he'll come back. He was looking for him every day. Don't you think he was thinking that? He, he must have been praying and thinking he would come back because he was looking for him every day. We're supposed to rest in the Lord. Our title today is that, remember that rock and roll song, Don't Worry, Be Happy? Rest in the Lord. Only when you live by faith can you rest in the Lord. Max Lucado in his book, Begin Again, he said he was on a flight, I believe, to Houston, and he had to get a connector, connecting flight to Austin, and he said weather delayed him terribly. And man, he said he started worrying. He was trying to get his phone out to call his wife, I'm going to be late. I don't know if I'll make my connecting flight. I might have to get a hotel here. He started looking up hotels, and he was all worrying and fretting. And then the pilot came on the intercom and says, I just want to let you know, I know some of you are worrying about your connecting flights. That's okay, you're flying with whatever airline here. We've notified your flights, they're waiting for you. You'll be taken care of, no problem. Have a good trip. And he said, when that pilot came over the intercom and said that, he says like, all of a sudden I put my phone away, I don't have to call my wife, I don't have to get a hotel room. Because the pilot, he wouldn't lie to me. He said, they're saving the flights for us. Wow, whoa. So everybody else was running and he was whistling, going through the airport, you know, going to his next connecting flight. Well, you know what? Our pilot has spoken a lot of things. And we should rest. We should rest. He has said, he'll never leave us or forsake us. Never. He said that if we ask anything according to his will, we'll get it. So we just have to find out what his will is in particular situations. He said, when you die, you'll go to heaven. Can I rest in that? He's praying, I'll answer. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be added to you. I'll cause all things to work together for good. Uh, it's all about taking God at his word. I believe that prodigal son's father was resting in the Lord. I see that in the story. He just doesn't seem to be fretting. He probably prayed every day for his son, prayed whatever the spirit wanted him to pray. He rebuked, took authority, probably did all of his stuff, and then he just went about his chores whistling. I've done what I'm supposed to do. Now God's got to do what he's going to do. Isn't that cool? When you do your part, which is a little part, God does the rest. You have to do your part. I, 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 I agree that that's, that's something we have to do. Uh, Some of you are new to VBF, and sometimes I have to be a little redundant because we're getting so many new people. God is always doing something when we pray. I mean, when you pray, you set things in motion. When you rebuke things, you stop bad things from happening. You just don't see it. I know some of you are new to VBF, but I've said, you got to keep praying. you got to pray fervently, pray earnestly. Uh, you got to stay in prayer. Every time you pray, something's happening. Just like one of our congregation members saw a spirit leaving a person that I delivered right out here in the front lawn, and God said, I did that to show you that every time you pray, something happens. 
Like I've said before, and I've used this example before. See, sometimes we get tired of praying because we don't think anything's happening. And, and I've used this example probably three times. If you have an unsaved husband, unsaved wife, or whatever, and you're praying for their salvation, and you're praying in the Spirit, that means praise the Spirit guides you every day. You're always changing your prayers depending on what the Spirit lays on your heart to pray. One day you're taking authority over spirits that blinded their minds. You might do that for five days, and then you might go into a season where you're praying that God would send influential people into their lives, and you might pray that for two or three days, and he switches it, where you pray that they'll get tired of their sin, tired of the lifestyle they're living. Another, another week you might pray that they'd be curious about what we're doing at the church. And what you don't see while you're praying that, they're at work, and they're going, man, maybe I should go to that church someday. Nah. Yeah, I wonder what they do. They're, they're going to Hollywood? That kind of sounds fun. See, you don't see all that. That's because of your prayers. And then people they, they respect are coming to work, people that they really look up to and say, hey, I, didn't see you at the, I haven't seen you at the bar lately. No, I gave my life to you. You gave your life to Jesus? That's because you're praying. See, God's leading them in. He's doing all kinds of stuff because you're praying. Just don't stop praying. You just don't see what's going on, but he has me up here telling you that he is doing that. Uh, I got to get along here. Spirit's always telling me things when I pray, things I can stand on in faith. I, you know, I've had two big cancers I've been fighting for years, and I'm, I'm, I'm well, both of them. I'm doing fine. But as I seek God and I pray, he puts things in my mind that wasn't there for. Like I'm on a diet, zero sugar. Did you know when you eat sugar for the next two or three hours, your immune system shuts down totally? So think, if you're eating sugar in the morning, and then three hours later you eat more sugar, more sugar, your immune system's shutting off for most of the day. That's crazy. God's talking to me about health. He's saying things to me about marriage. He keeps reminding me. Every time I want to get mad at Debbie over doing something, he keeps reminding me of what he told me that day when I was leaving to go to the gym. How dare you, he said hold little things over her head when I've forgiven you for so many big things. Huge. And that, that thing just stayed with me, man. I can't shake that. He's always talking, always talking, always talking. So rest in God's promises. Uh, there was a contest a long time ago. I forgot where it was at and uh, et cetera. But uh, they had a contest. They said, we're going to have people draw pictures that represent peace. And then we're going to give a prize to the person that draws the best picture that represents peace. And, and the, the person who drew the picture that won the contest drew a picture of this rocky, raggedy mountain waterfall. And this water was gushing with power over this waterfall, like the Niagara Falls, just pouring down with power. And back in the little crevice there was a little bird, and she had built her nest and had babies in there just three foot away from the water. And they said, that is peace in the midst of the storm. Let me real quickly, before we have to end today, go over oh, four or five things that we need to focus on if we're going to have rest in the Lord. And the first one is this. Don't, don't, we've got to focus on not interfering with God's plan for your life if you're going to have rest. See, God has a plan for every one of you. He has a plan for me, a plan for you. He has a plan. And 
We don't want to interfere with that plan if we're going to have peace in our life and rest and prosperity. We don't want to interfere with it. God called me to be a pastor. And you might remember that God story. And again, I, 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 I have to say this every time I tell this, this God story. Don't you ever do this as a way of life. Don't do what I'm telling you I just did. Okay, don't, don't do that. Do what I say, don't do what I did. Uh, but I got so discouraged in ministry some decades ago. And I felt that my life was not living up to the standard that God required of pastors. And I, I was so down on myself. And I just, I remember, I'll never forget where I was at. I was driving back from the mountains. And I turned to go up Fairfax. And I just started bawling. I had to pull the car over and I said, God, you chose the wrong guy. Don't you get it? I'm not one of these guys that when I was a baby, my first words were pastor. That's not me. I never even really wanted to be a pastor. Anyway, I was so down, and I told God, I said, I was bawling. I mean, I was bawling, and I said, God, I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I want to quit. I'm not doing this anymore because you got the wrong guy. I can't live up to the standards you require. I, I'm not to be anybody's example. I don't even like my own example right now. I had had something happen. I just felt horrible. And I pulled over, and I told you that day, and I, I, I'm not ever doing this again. But I said, God, I'm opening my Bible, my finger down. If you can't give me one verse right now as a miracle, I'm quitting the ministry. And it says, no man called you. I called you from your mother's womb to get the good news of the Gentiles. And I, I, that day I made a promise. I made a promise that I wouldn't quit the ministry and I wouldn't interfere with what God's plan was for my life. And man, am I glad I didn't. Today, I love my life. I thank God every week for his grace shown to me. Now, at the time... They told me not to quit. I had no idea how he was going to clean up the messiness. I had no idea. I had no idea how he was going to save me in the midst of a bunch of messy stuff. But I knew that he had promised. You have to rest. Let me give you a quiz real quick. I want you to see this quiz. How do you approach the Bible? Okay. A. As a religious book written for people who lived hundreds of years ago. B, a book of generic concepts that really don't apply to us. Or C, a book that contains relevant, fantastic promises from God that if acted upon will totally change your life forever. Next thing you need to do if you're going to find rest in God is you're going to need to maintain a positive confession. And I know that that, that really sounds like prosperity stuff, but, but it is true. Look at Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You're the light of the world. A city set in a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp, put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light, let your light shine before men in such a way that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. A positive confession. We need more positivism in the church. I mean, there are people out there in the world that ascribe to a lot of these, you know, these rah-rah 
motivational speeches, and they're positive. For example, former French uh, Prime Minister Clemenzo, I think was his name, he fought many, many duels unto death back in the day. And so, on one occasion, he was going to fight another guy in a gun duel, and one of them would die. And on his way to the duel, he told his lieutenant, as they went by a Paris train station, he says, would you go buy a one-way ticket right now to this duel? His lieutenant says, one-way? He said, yeah, that's all I want, it's a one-way ticket. I just want a ticket there. He says, sir, are you giving into a negative confession? I've never seen you like this before. He says, oh, no, you don't misunderstand me. I always use my opponent's ticket for my return trip. <laughs> That's world's positivism. In Georgetown, George Jones, Jonestown, Pennsylvania, a couple, a few decades ago, trust me, a true story, uh, they had had a real wet season. And all the newscasters and the newspapers were saying, move away from the dam, move away from the dam. We think it's going to bust. We think it's going to bust. Everybody, get away from the dam, get away from the dam. And a guy came on the news, he said, the dam will not bust. It will not. I'm telling you, you don't have to move away. The dam is secure. They said, why are you telling us this? Because I built the dam. I built it and I know that it will not burst. So much so that he drove his truck down to the dam during the time they were telling everybody to evacuate and put a tin up and made his residence there for a whole week. He says, that's how much I believe it will not burst. Uh, Satchel Paige used to be a great pitcher. I was told on one occasion, I don't know if this is true or not, but he was so confident that he had his zone that day, they told the whole team to go sit down on the bench because he's going to strike out the, the side. They didn't even have to be in the field. Now, that's kind of worldly positivism. We should be the most positive people of all. We should be able, when we're given promises by God, we should be able to tell the whole world, stand and watch. God has promised this to me. He's confirmed it twice. You've got to be careful. He has to confirm it. You've got to know it's God. Once you know it's God, you said, like, for example, when I ran into that, that uh, friend of mine in, in the grocery store right after I'd been diagnosed with leukemia for one year, and God had already told me I was going to, to survive it. I'll never forget when I bumped her into the grocery store, she looked at me and said, oh, Ron, I am so sorry. I said, sorry about what? She said, I've heard. You have leukemia, don't you? I said, yeah. Doctors only gave you a short time to live. I said, yeah. I am so sorry. I said, well, don't be sorry because I ain't dying. I said, God's already told me I'm going to live. And he's confirmed it three times, confirmed it. I know it's him. I'm going to live. So you can't just make that stuff up. You have to know that you know that you know. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. And she says, man, I hope you're right because Bakersfield needs to see a miracle like this so badly. And she said, I'll tell you what, if he heals you, I'll even come to church. You know, that lady's never come to church one time. <laughs> Next PowerPoint, De deal with the spirit of perfectionism. Ah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pointing one finger at you four back to myself. I want to tell you something. If, you don't, if you're a perfectionist like I am inclined to be, you'll never have rest. I fight this continually. I've been learning the last few years to laugh at myself. I mean, if I get up here and mispronounce a word, I'll wake up in the middle of the night, or I used to, and say, oh, 
Last week, I, I used somebody's illustration. I forgot to give them credit, and I, I went home and said, I forgot. I don't one service I did. The other service I didn't. And I, oh, we had a misspelled word on the PowerPoint the other day, and I said, oh, we got to fix that. How can we fix that? Yeah. And I, I keep bringing myself back. Sometimes I'll go home and think of my sermon. I'll say, did I brag? I don't want to brag. Oh, God, if I brag, I always want to be in you, not me, because I'm nobody and, and we got to dump that. And I'm in the process of being healed because I'm still much a perfectionist. It'll kill you. It'll kill you. And you'll never have rest in the Lord if you're a perfectionist. Look at 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. It says, did I give you 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5? Yes. But to me, it's a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even examine myself. For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I'm not by that acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait till the Lord comes. He'll bring to light the things hidden in darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each, each man will get his praise from God. Any perfectionists in here today? Come on, raise your hand. You battle perfectionists? Anybody? Oh, come on. Don't leave me up here alone. Anybody? I have a rhema for you. Just stop it. Tim Conway, just stop it. PowerPoint. Surround yourself with healthy influences. Proverbs 18, 24. A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Your influences make you or break you. I'll tell you what. I have people in my life, all my friends are such positive maturing Christians. And when I get down, they always encourage me. That helps me to not worry and be happy because they build me up. They encourage me. Um, I don't know about you, but you, you, the people that, that are your best friends really influence you. You start hearing from them so often that you could even hear their voice when bad things start happening. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Charlie Garcia spoke the word of God to me so much that Charlie's still speaking to me every year. I'll go to do something, I'll hear Charlie's voice going, Ron, you know what? And I hear him. Why? Because back in the past, he spoke Ramah straight from the throne room to me so many times. Those are still, you know, established in my mind. My wife, every time I go to eat a donut, she, I hear her voice going, you're going to be sorry after you eat it. And I, I, I hear those voices. And that's good. Because that means we have the right influences in our life. Proverbs 31, 10 through 12. An excellent wife, who can find? Her worth is far above jewels. Any amens? The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good, not evil, all the days of her life. Wow. I mean, some of you, bless your hearts, you're so messed up. Sometimes I pinch myself going, are they really telling me this? I, I missed this a sermon years ago, but I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Somebody called me, you know what, my husband pinched my butt, and I called the police on him. I, oh, am I hearing this right? Doesn't that butt belong to him? You know, I don't know. I, I just I hope my wife's not listening. But... Then later, they call three months later, and they, they're having financial problems. I said, well, if you're not 
Call the police and then pinch in your butt. You know, now you're split and your bills. He lost his job, you know. Man, you single people, pray about who you marry. Okay? I want all of you to have godly wives and husbands. Do they make a difference or what? When I'm down, my wife will be on the couch at 6 o'clock in the morning praying for me and interceding for me. Oh, guys, I'm telling you, it'll be, it'll be the biggest decision you ever make who you marry. Uh, Charlie Plum. He was a fighter pilot in the Vietnam War. He flew 75 successful missions, and on the 76th, he was shot down over North Korea. I think he was a prisoner of war for several years. And one day he was in a restaurant, and he was halfway through with his meal, and some gentleman came over and said, excuse me, are you uh, Charlie Plum? You flew fighter, pilot, fighter, fighter planes off of Kitty Hawk in, in the 60s? He said, yeah, that was me. He said, well, I just want to tell you something. I, I heard about your story that you had to parachute out of your plane and was a prisoner of war for a few years in North Korea. He said, uh, I just want to ask you, your parachute worked, didn't it? He said, yeah, it did. It worked well. He said, well, I just want to let you know I'm the guy who packed your parachute. And uh, I just want to let you know. And he said, thank you. The guy went back to his seat. And Charlie sat there and he started thinking, man. That's pretty important. He said, I probably passed that guy on the Kitty Hawk several times, but because he was a sailor and I was a fighter pilot, I wouldn't have anything to do with him. And so he went over and said, can I join you in the meal? And he wanted to really thank that guy. He said, you know what? You did. You did. You packed my parachute right. It worked. There's a lot of people packing your parachutes. You need to thank them. Because when the rubber meets the road, it's because of their ministry in your life that's going to save your life. Uh, look at Joshua 1 and 8. The book of this law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have success. Uh, look at Psalms 35, 27. Psalms 35, 27. Maybe I didn't give that to you. Then jump to Psalms 128 if you don't have that. Psalms 128, 1 through 4. I'll just give me any Psalms. It don't matter. Uh, <laughs> how blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways. I got to get out of here. I just looked at the clock. Uh, let me give you just one more and I'll end with it. PowerPoint, don't be afraid of what the future may bring. You won't have rest in the Lord if you're afraid of the future. Exodus 33, 14 through 16. Exodus 33, and again, any old verse in Exodus over here. He said, my presence shall go with you, and I'll give you rest. Then he said to him, if, you, if your presence does not go with us, then don't lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we and I and your people may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? Uh, Psalm 16:11. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. And then Micah 7, 7, 8. But as for me, I'll watch expectantly for the Lord. I'll wait for God of my salvation. My God will hear me. 
I'm going to end with this, but the Bible says that whatever we go through in the future, God will be with us. And it even goes on to say that his grace will be sufficient for our needs. In fact, the Bible says that whatever we go through in the future, that God will give us grace in the time of need. A lot of you are so afraid of the future. How could I go through that? How could I, well, what, what, if, what if a child dies? What if, what if my husband dies? What if my wife dies? What if I get cancer? What if Russia declares nuclear war? You know, what if, what if, what if? You don't have the grace right now to deal with that, but when it comes, you'll have the grace. He promised. He promised. The pilot has spoken. No matter what you go through, at the time you go through it, you'll have grace. Uh, there's a story told by Bob Perks. I believe it was in a book that I read it years ago. He said he went to the airport for a flight, and something caught his attention. At the security gate stood an older man and a young, attractive girl, and they were hugging, a very emotional time you could tell. And then I noticed that as she started walking away. Her dad said, I wish you enough. She said, Daddy, you've always been enough, but I wish you enough, Daddy. And she walked out of sight, and you said, you could see the guy was about to lose it. Very emotional moment. He said, I was very curious what was going on. Then I watched the man go over to the window and watch the flight. And you could see he wanted to cry. Something was going on. So I edged a little closer, was watching him, and I didn't have to ask him what was going on because he just volunteered. And he said, have you ever said Alaska goodbye to anybody before? He said, well, matter of fact, I have. My dad died a while back, and I knew he was going to die, and I was able to tell him what I felt. He said, why do you say that? He said, well, he said, that's my daughter. And he said, uh, I have some major health issues. She doesn't really even know. And the next time she comes back, it'll be for my funeral. He said, I'm so sorry. Dare I ask you another question? I'm so curious. What? That slogan you said, I wish you enough. And she said, I wish you enough. What's that all about? He said, that was passed down from my family long ago. It was passed down from generation to generation. And what it means, and I wrote it out, I wish you enough sun to keep your attitude bright. I wish you enough rain to appreciate the sun more. I wish you enough happiness to keep your spirit alive. I wish you enough pain so the smallest joys in life will appear as much bigger blessings. I wish you enough gain so it will satisfy your want. I wish you enough loss to appreciate all that you possess. I wish you enough hellos to get you through the final goodbye. God will be enough for you no matter what comes. I know it's hard to believe, but if you have a dying baby in the hospital, God will be enough at that time. Don't worry. Stop worrying. Enjoy today. Love your children today. You get it? Have faith in God. 
you need to give your life to God, get right today. There will be people up here to pray with you. All you have to do is ask the Holy Spirit to come and live in your body. That's all you got to do. Say, God, I want to live for you. The Holy Spirit will come. He'll give you the strength. Love you. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Give us our King, give us our love.